going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Happy 4th of July Eve. It's a Wednesday, but it feels like a Friday. I'm in a good mood. In the studio with me, we have, of course, Mr. Spotlow. <laughs> Thank you. My favorite Native American Nazi. He's not actually a Nazi. Kill them all. Yeah, I know. My goodness, man. Kill them all. Um, but it's going to be a fun edition of the Joey Clark Radio Hour because we're inviting on, well, somebody who's never been on the show. And. We've crossed paths a few times here in the River Region, like at the uh, WWE House Show. It was a lot of fun. But joining us now, I got to get this right, Frisco Riverstone? Frisco Riverstone, yeah. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Joey. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Now, there's an ongoing thing with this show. Um, I don't know how you want to begin. But I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's because I like Oscar Wilde and Prince, and I'm I'm a bit of an effete gentleman. But there are all these rumors that I am uh, I'm gay. <laughs> and, uh, well, Joey, you know you do have uh, you do have the the long hair and the right. dashing good looks. Well, and thank you, you for that, Riverstone. You you drive a uh, a very very nice vehicle. <laughs> you talking all, me up here, Frisco. All of these all of these things uh, kind of you know. Yeah, listen. It's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. You sexy beast over there. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it funny that, that people are so interested. Um, well, I'm, so. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because uh, actually we've all been uh, heard that past month has been Pride season. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, been mentioned several times, I think. And uh, I actually kind of wanted to come on today to uh, officially come out. Oh. As a conservative. Wow. Mm. Truth is, I've actually been uh, openly gay for a long time. Okay. And um, most recently, uh, myself and have seen in the uh, in the news, uh, lots of people, uh, LGBT people on the right, begin to be attacked, um, dismissed, or mocked, or demonized without ever really being asked our actual views. Um, for the most part, gay people who do choose to engage with me tend to be completely wrong on what they imagine I must believe and support. So I wanted to pop on today and, yeah. and clarify a couple things. Sure, sure. Now, I, I want a little bit of... Uh a little bit of history and background. You say you've been openly gay for a long time. Has it been most of your life? Well, you and I are about the same age. About so 30 or so. Almost yeah. 30. So yeah. maybe like around 18, you know. Okay. It's about, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, and, and with that being said, it's never really been an issue for me, I think. Okay. I've sort of, uh, it's, uh, it comes up in conversation when it does, and yeah. um, it's not like I've been sort of a, this big activist or anything my whole life. It's a very, very small part of actually who I am, um, you know, compared to all the other things that I do and engage in, right? Um, and, you know, as it should be. I would hope so. <laughs> I would really hope right. so. It's, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it by no mean uh, defines me or uh, binds me. So yeah, that's uh, that's how it's supposed to be. I think. No, but Absolutely. had your politics developed around that time when I mean, you're you're sexuality your identity's there like you said it doesn't like completely define you as the pith of who you are it's just sure it's who you are in, in one way or another but it's the the politics when did you consider yourself a conservative well i'll be honest with you joey i think in the very beginning of 18 my t early 20s um i was told that oh you're gay so you're a democrat I was literally told that there was pretty much uh, only kind of one place that, that you fit in. Um, and so it, it kind of took a little while for me to, to start realizing and recognizing on my own, um, you know, and I, I've 
read a lot and listened to certain radio shows oh. and, and, uh, <laughs> and different things. But, but I will say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not self-loathing. I'm not afraid of my sexuality. I'm not a, a Christian ex-gay trying to pray the gay away. I'm perfectly, <laughs> perfectly comfortable, libertarian-minded gay person who holds a strong set of conservative political positions that I'm unafraid to stand up for. So I think we've, we've far too long placed our collective identities into a very narrow slot and mm. considered deviation to be inherently flawed. So, you know, a lot of other gays will ask me, uh, you know, how can you support a political position that's opposed to everything I am as a person? The idea being that my sense of sexuality is somehow dominant over every other intellectual or emotional position I could find myself facing. It's kind of insulting, to be well, honest. And I want to bring up on this on this point exactly, like, your, your collective identity as part of the gay community means you must be a certain political position. It's a story we covered. I think you might have been here, Seth. Uh, where somebody wrote, it was a Yale assistant professor. There's a photo that circulated where it was Mayor Pete Buttigieg with his husband, Chasten, and it was a fairly benign, like, pat-on-the-shoulder photo where they're at a campaign stop. Mm -hmm. And this Yale professor wrote, this is, like, mainstream, it's, it's, like, not gay at all. Like, they... <laughs> you're literally talking about a, a married gay man on stage, but it, it, was it wasn't like, gay enough for him. It was too yes. white. Yeah. So white yeah. that it was almost straight. Mm -hmm. And this is... Like, when I see this, I find it absurd, but also I'm not part of that community, so I, I, I'm like, okay, I don't understand this even know how to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I mean, when you look at nearly all mainstream LGBT media, I mean, you don't see the voice that I represent. You know, when you read and watch and listen to the gay world that's presented to you today, you wouldn't even know someone like me exists. There's a very, very uh, defined, uh, you know, definition of what it means to be gay. And I feel like every day it's, it's becoming a little more and more extreme. Um, you know, I was around a, a while ago, uh, especially when I, when I first came out and saw Pride then. Right. And, and I think there was, there was certain efforts during that Pride. Uh, this was before uh, gay marriage was legal. So you kind of see those, those, those fights and those struggles. But now that that's over, they still have something to fight about, right? They got to... Right. They, 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 they raised all this money the first time, right? So yep. now, we're, now we're looking back like, what, what else can we be outraged about? So this, this radicalization of the LGBT community has, has kind of, I think, really kind of spawned off of, we're getting all these rights and... and and what else, what else can we do now? Right. This is a point I've made often. There's nothing that kills a political movement like success. Absolutely. Oh, man. And with the Obergefell decision, uh, I mean, that was a major victory. This is what's been talked about for a decade, if not longer. I will tell you that my email inbox uh, from the Human Rights Campaign slowly shifted from gay marriage, you know, equal rights, to now anti-Trump. This is what Trump's doing bad. And, you know, I, of course, I've hit the unsubscribe button and it asks why you're leaving and I you know <laughs> <laughs> you've lost me I, I, I probably got taken off that list and put on another list let's just say that <laughs> fair but. enough now did you when you saw that decision by the Supreme Court did you as a conservative did you like it I mean it, it plays into again the identity politics side of you but it I mean I don't know where you would come from in so, terms of your ideology politically so one core concept of the right is sort of that the idea that process matters more than outcome. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. Process matters more than outcome. The left is primarily concerned with outcome and will take whatever steps are necessary to achieve a preferred end. I, for example, support same-sex marriage. But I did not support the Supreme Court telling all states how they must define marriage and manage marriage. And I was less concerned on achieving same-sex marriage as I was on properly utilizing the mechanisms in place to legally influence marriage law. Um, the reason I'm concerned, and this is a big one, the reason I'm concerned with process over outcome is that once you override a process to get what you want, it becomes very easy for an opposing party to do the same. And that was sort of my, my stand on the whole the whole marriage. Yeah, it, I mean, it goes back to these debates today about free speech. Is like, why why have free speech? Because if, as soon as you try to restrict it, like free speech is the the least worst option, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And when we're dealing with how people talk, 
like once you create a mechanism to regulate speech, you have to assume the worst type of person, probably the person you have in mind mm -hmm. when you want to restrict it. You know, people like uh, this guy <laughs> over <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> you have to assume if you want to restrict speech in order to stop real Nazis, not Seth. I love <laughs> um, and you have to assume, oh, probably those Nazis will gain those controls at some point. You have to assume the worst case scenario. Absolutely. So freedom's the best process, and the reason we have all these checks and balances that we have this true federalism and subsidiarity between the federal government, the states, and the localities is to be sort of a slow way of figuring these things out. Absolutely. Where I feel like, and it sounds like you would agree with this, that the conversations become so national yes. about everything. Yes. That it's it's almost like too much is at stake. How, how are we going to decide as three hundred million plus people who are very diverse, uh, not just through the usual you know identity politics boxes that we check off? Uh, how do we decide things all together? We can't, it's hardly I mean you know attainable. I basically look at it like you know the United States is a, is a constitutional republic, right? I mean we're a grouping of independent states that agree to a few fundamental absolute rights, gun ownership, freedom of speech, uh, religion, for example, with a federal government charged with national protection and ensuring those rights are protected. Right. The federal, federal government's also charged with the basic managing of, you know, interstate relations. Um, and the Republican Party was built on the foundation of protecting the republic as a whole and ensuring all people enjoy the liberty they were entitled to. Um, but, you know, a, a Republican is, is simply just a person who supports the general political idea of um, state independence, you know, limited federal influence over states and certainly the people um, and absolute dedication to the Constitution and a strong national protection from outside focus. So it gets back to that, you know, how do you manage 300 million people, right. you know, and that's that's why we are set up the way we are set up. Um, but I think that more and more the left is is trying to sort of group us all together on this federal scale. And it's it's virtually, well, one, it, it doesn't make sense, but it's, it's kind of impossible. Well, and it's one thing when the left and right disagree on a national policy regarding economics um, or, I mean, foreign policy, these sorts of things. I honestly cannot stand the culture wars. Yeah. In a way, I can be part of it, just being myself. But I, I'm not trying to go, mm, what am I? So I got to carry the mantle of that collective identity or that group mm -hmm. I might uh, fit in. It's more, no, I just want to be Joey. Uh, I just kind of want to be that rascal, that iconoclast who calls him like I see it. And I, I think when we get the culture wars mixed with the politics, it's a thing I always say. Andrew Breitbart brilliantly uh, said that politics is downstream from culture. Absolutely. And so people fight over the culture in order to influence the politics downstream. But I worry, and this is what's going on, is that politics can also pollute the stream of culture. Yeah. To where every decision you make in life, every taste you might have in life is now a political question. Um, it's the old feminist phrase, the personal is the political. I would say that my position at the end of the day is that the personal, no pun intended, trumps the political. <laughs> it should be about people, yeah. like getting to know the person in the room and in your vicinity, in your community. Not, you know, okay, how do I fit into this sort of identity box? Whether, and it could be uh, gay, it could be lesbian, it could be black, it could be rich, could be poor, but it could also be uh, Christian conservative, evangelical, it could be, you there's, could pick all the so, boxes. so many boxes and subcategories, and I mean, and, and you really can't narrow it down. I mean, right. there's, there's no... And there's no reason you to. You shouldn't be able to put everybody in a box, but they do it. Yes. No, and they they're always the going to do it. And I've done well, come to terms with the fact they ain't going to stop doing it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I think it's easier to manage and regulate when you've got these boxes. So, yeah. you know, our Constitution specifically designed to outline what the federal government cannot do to the people, rather than a, a list of what people are permitted to do. And I think the left takes an opposing view, um, believing that government must tightly regulate the rights and the freedoms and the protections and the, the human behavior and the identities and all these different little things in order to provide, provide equal and, uh, you know, and equal experiences for everybody and all citizens, and apparently non-citizens too now. Right. And, uh, it's, and it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, sure, it's, it's really easy for them to do that when they have these boxes, right? When they check all these little boxes and, you, and they, they stuff you into these little, you know, little places. Yeah. 
Well, it's a way to divide people in order to get enough support. I mean, the, I think a, a common trope that's out there, you hear from the right and the left, is that we need to be unified. We need unity in the country. B.S. I almost said the actual <laughs> thing. What utter crap, poppycock. I mean, this idea really is nonsense because the best way to get elected, and it's not just in this country, um, it's an old phrase I heard. I got it from Christopher Hitchens. I think he was talking about politics in Israel, where it was an activist in Israel who said, asked about all the inflamed passions and all the different parties running in their system. He said, I see encouraging signs of polarization. And that's actually what I think people are trying to do. In order to get people riled up, at least sure. in a collective group, you have to tell them, these are the people making your life bad, yep. and we have to fight against them. And it's not just that we disagree. They're bad people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen it, you know, recently I've had some run-ins, um, you know, recently with a few gay men who work at the um, the Poverty Pal, I mean, the uh, SPLC, yeah. and uh, uh, I was asked all but to uh, all but to leave the engagement when I expressed some conservative viewpoints, and it wasn't, you know, I was polite, I, I presented some facts, and was met with some radical emotion, I mean, absolute rejection. I was shocked that a group of people that represent equality could be kind of hateful towards one of their own, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's a problem. The problem with absolute rejection of gay conservatives' existence, you know, refusing to accept us or, or fear-mongering attempts to demonize us before we can even speak is it significantly limits not only the intellectual diversity of a community, but it diminishes the people who belong to it, you know? Let, let's be honest. Who wants to belong to a group that thinks you're incapable of, of making your own decisions? And, and certainly... If you're doing so, results in public humiliation and shaming. Um, well, and there's a degree, too, of look at all we've done for you. Yeah. Oh, there's a, almost like people want to say, you owe us. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And toe the line, because you, you, we took out a debt in your name that, I mean, you got to pay back by we voting. We fought this right and did this mm -hmm. and this, so you will think this way. And it's kind of like, I think, I think more and more... I think I think people are afraid to come out as I came out on your show today, Joey. As a conservative, <laughs> as a as a conservative, yeah. uh, because I think too, and and it's also in other social circles too. You know, gay or straight. I think that sometimes you know Trump supporters may not be vocally a Trump supporter um, because of of you know these these radical ideas and what you're told to think and you know and it may happen in a workplace where everybody is is liberal and i've seen it before with friends you know and and they just keep their mouth shut and keep going but um you know i think it i think it happens quite a bit now i, I want to play devil's advocate here though i did read from marianne williamson that when somebody says they want to play devil's advocate tell them the devil doesn't need an advocate honey <laughs> <laughs> like, all right marianne <laughs> no but let's let's play devil's advocate here when you do have folks in the gay community that say I mean, do you feel at home in a party that has, that, you know fought against some of these rights? I mean, have you found any, is there a grain of truth there that you haven't found a complete home, say, in the Republican Party? Maybe of today under Trump, but a few years ago, would you have felt at home going to a Republican club meeting? I think one of, one of the loudest things I hear, you know especially when you start, a, a, well I call it a conversation, but it immediately turns into a, de a debate with the liberals, you know they'll start screaming Bush, and they start screaming <laughs> You know, they bring up all kinds of, you know, past establishment Republican, um, you know, th you know things that have happened, and and I'll be the, you know, I'll be one to admit the Republican Party hasn't always upheld certain standards of liberty that yeah. I think that we initially the Republican Party was founded on, um, but I, I think that in the past, sure, certainly, uh, you know, there were some you know, things that I may have agreed on with both sides. Sure. Um, and I maybe wasn't as conservative. Um, but I think that the right is such a span of, uh, you know, you've got, you know, libertarian, conservative. Uh, I think I've kind of, I've leaned that way and sort of found myself in that place. Okay. Um, and as far as, you know, me interacting with other Republicans, I can tell you right now that uh, I'm quite comfortable with all my friends and sure. and and the community. And I can be quite honest, no one no one really cares. Right. Uh, <laughs> they, they they really don't. My my partner for I've had a partner for a very long time. Recently bought a house and moved into the neighborhood, and you know. They're very prominent Republicans and Democrats on our street, and uh, everybody swung by and said, "Hey, what's up?" And and no one was like, 
you two are living together? Like, you know, what's, <laughs> who's, who's your little buddy over there? You know, right. it, 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 it wasn't like that. And, and I think, and I think that people get it, and it's not yeah. um, not as bad as they think. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's not an issue. And I think that the media is will tell you it's an issue. And you know, I saw recently and 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 read recently, that, you know, the Pride Festival here in Montgomery, which. I, I think that pride is a great thing, yeah. I th- especially looking back at 18-year-old uh, Frisco Riverstone. Yeah. I think that uh, I needed to see something like that, you know, sure. to feel some acceptance, kind of figure out where I was at. But Montgomery, Montgomery plays it a little differently, you know. It wasn't a pride parade with sponsored floats from, you know, uh, you know companies in town. It was a march to the Capitol to d- demand rights, you know. And it was one of those things that kind of, kind of put me off, and I think mm. it, it put off maybe some other people, maybe some, some straight folks that, that don't mind gay people at all. Right. But they're not going to go out to some, some march to the steps with the drag queen on bullhorn, you know, demanding these rights that, you know, I think we've come a long way, and I think that it's, a, it's supposed to be sort of a celebration. And, right. and maybe and maybe I'm wrong, honestly, Joe. Maybe my, I've just got a completely different um, idea about it. But I do have a feeling a lot of people kind of agree with me. Um, well, I barely even noticed it was Pride Month. I mean, I saw a lot of the corporations absolutely. jumping in on it. Well, and to me, it's not like a, like I really have no problem with anybody. Live your life how you want. Um, and I'm I'm even interested. Like, oh, you you're different than me. Sure, cool. sure. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. But uh, it's it's also like when it comes to Pride Month, or like somebody's like you going to the Pride event downtown. I was like, I didn't even know it was going on, so probably not. It's kind of like when somebody walks up and goes, uh, "Did you see? Are you a Walking Dead fan?" And this is before it got bad. <laughs> I'm like, no. It's like, and then they talk about it, and I'm like, okay, I'm not watching it. It's it's more like that. When yeah. I would talk to someone, go, you watch Game of Thrones, bro? And they're like, no. Like, bro, you didn't see what happened with the Mad Queen? No, they didn't see it at all. But so you've got this group of people that are screaming that they are, um, uh, that they're a minority and that they're not included in the community. Yet they are not being very inclusive themselves. Does that make sense when you're when you're not necessarily throwing a pride event that right. that's inclusive that you know uh, families can go to? And I, I just compare ourselves to I just compare ourselves to other cities that are very very similar. So you look at like Pensacola, right. you know, and you're like, man, they had a, they had a float sponsored by like Wells Fargo, and they, and of course they had the outrageously you know goofy costume kind of sure. and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then there was some uh, some allies. You watch cops walking down the street and 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 they're rainbow yeah. pens and I think it, it brought awareness and it was cool um, and then you know like I look here and it's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like this kind of a an angry march and, and it's, it, it makes me think of a bunch of little kids a bunch of little girls that are they have their club and then the sign on the outside <laughs> it's a bunch of little girls okay and yeah. then the sign on the outside says no girls allowed yeah yeah, it makes like, no sense at all, <laughs> but they're there. Like, and then, the, and why aren't we included? And yeah. we need more. We need more voices, and we need to be included. And did, and, you, and you're kind of like, well, <sighs> well, what do you got to say? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, are you going to come hang out? No, but we need more people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. and, uh, and you know, I, I again don't knock anybody for their being proud. Sure, I mean, sure. Yeah, of course, I, I do draw a line, and I've drawn this distinction a lot. I'm not a big fan of collective pride. Sure. Uh, because it's like, well, really what I'm not a fan of is unearned pride or unearned guilt. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's just a terrible way to go. I, I mean, I can be down with, like, you know somebody. Like, I was proud as hell of my brother getting married, you know, a couple weeks ago. I, I didn't do that, but I know him. You're, and, yeah, sure, you, you have like, that pride. Right, so I'm proud because he's my brother, but, like, if somebody I don't even know gets I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, good for you, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I'll be absolutely. courteous. But, yeah, I think sometimes I I look at, like, any sort of collective identity I'm a part of, and if it's not chosen, then why would then why- I be proud of it other than maybe to push back against people that want you to feel guilty or wrong? Sure. sure. And I get that. Uh, I really do get that. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's just very foreign to me. I will say that. And it's foreign in a way, and not just in the gay community, but a lot of the left's identity politics, I don't always go into it because I, I just find myself wanting to laugh at one time, be a little upset at other times, like, how are you butchering the language this way? <laughs> and then also just, it, it's mind-boggling at times, the infighting, like you mentioned earlier, that now that yeah. you lose your sort of North Star, like, we need gay marriage, like, how do we bring the community together again? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. 
I'm glad you're here, uh, Frisco. Yeah, I mean, me too. I Frisco think Riverstone. Uh, Where did you, uh, what's the origin of your so, name? So, uh, Frisco Riverstone was my Twitter account uh, when uh, when when Donald Trump started, well, when he became president and started tweeting. The only way I could really see those tweets was to create a Twitter account because I didn't have one because I didn't really care about getting on Twitter. I think uh, uh, I'd had enough with Facebook and other things, so... I created that account as a gay conservative mm -hmm. and was shocked at how many other gay conservatives there were and then just shocked at how many conservatives there were that didn't even care that I was gay and then I started kind of not being known as the gay conservative and it was just conservative. Oh, and yeah, he happens to be gay and that's cool, whatever. Right. And uh, so the account, I, I think I got up to a couple thousand uh, followers and um, I I kind of jumped on, there's a there's a um, investigative journalist who funds, she funds herself called Laura loomer i'm sure yeah. you've heard of her um she was criticizing ilhan omar back before ilhan omar was even elected she was in the district confronting her to her face with a camera um asking her about marrying her brother for uh immigration <laughs> for immigration reasons which they've they've actually found paperwork and it, it it happened so uh i retweeted a couple of her tweets and i criticized some things about islam something about throwing gay people off of the rooftops of buildings and sure. uh some of the things written in the quran um because oftentimes you know i get i get kind of you know talked to about well you know you live in the bible belt how can you you know christians da 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 and i'm thinking man could you imagine if this was uh, a country founded on islam uh, we'd all be dead. And then my gay friends quickly changed the subject. But uh, anyways, I, I criticized Ilhan Omar and Twitter. The Twitter police came and they suspended my account indefinitely. And wow. uh, you know what? I, I had read about conservatives being banned and I thought, well, just start another one. You know, what's, <laughs> right, what's yeah. the big deal? And then when I tried, I got a, a notice saying that they had my IP address. Ooh. That's a little. That's a little creepy, right? So, so then I couldn't create another, you know, completely new email, you know, and and then I and then I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna give up. I just won't do Twitter anymore, right? And so now there's there's some, uh, you know, the rights kind of pushing towards other platforms, but I think I think we're gonna see it a lot more this election season, um, and, you know, and I think it's been talked about, you know, on Congress, obviously. Yeah. Um, President Trump's even brought it up recently. Um, I've witnessed it recently, and uh, and and mine was a retweet. Let's just be clear here. I retweeted something someone else tweeted, and have been permanently banned. So, That's nuts. So That's so insane. so I wanted to pull Frisco Riverstone back out of the closet <laughs> <laughs> that he was put in by the Twitter police yeah. uh, because I, I felt it was important. And I think that as we get into this election season, you know, this is the first time that we've had an openly gay uh, candidate, right? Uh, Democrat yeah, candidate. Yeah. Yep. So um, I felt like Frisco uh, obviously can't have a voice anywhere else. So, you know, I appreciate you having me on. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and I, no, I wonder about Buttigieg because he actually said sounded somewhat sensible on the debate stage where sure. like him being a mayor he's like there's going to be an investigation let's wait for the facts <laughs> yes and you know they have the smarmiest guy in politics eric swallow just fire fire your police <laughs> chief it's like wait here buddy or i i wonder sometimes uh, with Buttigieg is his experience in life I'd, I'd have to ask him and we can only speculate is it because of his experience in life that he ends up in the Democratic Party? I think he does believe in things like universal health care and the Democratic policies, but he didn't sound like, for being the guy who's the openly gay candidate, he didn't sure. sound like a, a far-left like progressive on Twitter by any means. Well, I think from the moment you come out, you're, you're like I said, put into this collective identity. So, it you know, that's, that's a pretty interesting topic you bring up right there because... You know, it could be that he's been told he's a Democrat, and then right. that's sort of how he just, you know, that's that's how that works. But, you know, I'll tell you now, you know, looking at the poll numbers, um, you know, the black community is not going to vote for him. Right. That's not going to happen. It's true. So, you know, you look at, look at, you know, our population in our town, and I don't see a, a gay Democrat being you know successfully running around here i just don't see it probably um not. and and i think there's various reasons behind that and that's a whole nother topic <laughs> yes. but um but for for pete i think that uh it's great it, it opens up uh, that conversation but i don't well and i don't like these boxes we keep talking about that people get put in and the politics i think reinforces it but this is just fact with most things i think most people are christian or and pick a denomination most people are baptist because they grow up in a baptist family yep. uh, most people 
people are Catholic the same way. Most people are Muslims because they grew up in a Muslim culture and society, and that's just what is told. You're told from childhood, and this is who you are. And I think some of these cultural institutions, whether it's politics or religion, uh, or just the general culture, you know, identifiers these days. Mm -hmm. um, It's almost I feel worried for some people is this this term intersectionality. Where it's like, it's so deep, you know, it's so deep. It's like, wait, you're telling me people have like multiple identities that overlap? Shocking. Shocking, I know. But I'm like, guys, if you go to the bottom, it's not turtles all the way down. It's individualism at the bottom of that. If you just keep following your thought. Well, and, and individualism, isn't that what we've been told by everybody? Well, that's what we're supposed to have been right. told. But I'm, I'm with H.L. Mencken. He said this, is, this country, no matter what time, has always been a country of right thinking, especially as democracy really got going. I think it's become a country where you have to conform. Mm-hmm. What's the correct, and by right thinking, I mean the correct opinion. Political correctness has always been around. But it's one topic, and I was thinking about it because I saw an article on Minkin earlier today on Reason, uh, where he said he was bemoaning kind of how dark times can get under certain regimes and under our democracy. And he, even though he's very cynical, very pessimistic, and he's after my heart because of that, <laughs> um, he had this line, he said, but we have borne rascality since 1776, and we not only seem to survive these dark times, we flourish and thrive out of them. So I think there is... As the culture wars of 10 years ago start to change, and you get a guy like Trump who really isn't a traditional conservative or Republican, and I think you're also going to see this. It's already happening on the left. It's why you, I think, have people like uh, Joe Rogan and Dave Rubin, the so-called intellectual dark web, yeah. that you know anybody who's not, again, like a progressive on Twitter and thinking the correct way is now considered right-wing when it's like, no. Absolutely. Well, the thing that frightens the left the most, you know, Trump's the first president to take office supporting same-sex marriage. I mean, that's, that's literally a fact. Um, and he's never mentioned reversing the Supreme Court decision that created that, right? Right. And that scares, that scares the... That scares the mess out of him, right? Yeah. Because that's something that was not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. He's a Republican, you know? How and, do, and what would they focus on Pence then? Absolutely. Know? Oh, and that's and that's why they went hard on that and the gay conversion and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's you know, uh, Richard Grinnell, uh, openly gay uh, ambassador to Germany. I've communicated with him uh, back in my, my Twitter days mm-hmm. and uh, just, just kind of reached out to him and, and we'd shoot each other articles and things like that. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of, one of the guys behind that global uh, push that's been um, put out by the Trump administration to decriminalize um, uh, homosexual, the criminalization of homosexuality uh, all over the world. That's another thing the Trump administration's done that the left is freaking out because he's not supposed to do that. Right. That's our issue. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're supposed to champion that. And so, you know, now it's, now we're clawing at something like, you know, they're, they're, they're lumping in transgender here. And now this is super controversial as a gay man talking about this transgender here because mm-hmm. it, reading the, the LGBT news and, and, and watching it on TV, you would think that like one in three people are transgendered. Yeah. Like, you, that's what you would think, right? I mean, you hear it so much in this ba- in the bathroom debates. I mean, this is this is like a serious thing. It's intense. It is. I, I was, I was kind of looking at some facts today and, and we're literally talking about Point three percent of the United States population. That's that's okay. They're humans. They're there. Yeah. But that is point three percent of the population, and and you're talking about force feeding and changing these rules and streamlining and rushing. And it gets back to that uh, the process that we were talking about right. uh, for for point three of of the population. You know, it's like whoa. Let's let's hang on. Let's. Let's do this the right way. Um, and I think that that's what they're, the left is clinging on to now because when you look at uh, the Trump administration's efforts in the LGBT community, um, it's far better than any other Republican president we've ever had. And uh, so what are we clinging on to now? Now it's <laughs> throw in the T. We've got the transgenders in here now. And, and, and the alphabet continues. And I think right. that, that may be, <laughs> it may keep continuing. Well, you yeah. look for the next disenfranchised group. Absolutely. That's not, and it's a weird line. And we'll have to get into this. we got to hit a break. Uh, but I, I believe wholeheartedly in liberty. Now, the, I also believe that there are distinctions to be made where uh, Dr. King used to say this here in the 
the city. That there's a difference between a negative piece, mm-hmm. which liberty is going to exist in a negative piece, and a positive piece. And a negative piece would be people exist; they don't harm one another, they're not ugly to one another, but they don't they they're in their own boxes, kind of just without even thinking about it. The, there might be some sort of self segregation that goes on, but no necessarily ill will. It's peace, but it's not. A positive piece where there's this kind of wholehearted engagement and, sure. and everybody's getting along and mixing and whatnot. And, you know, a point you just made about the left, it's a call for tolerance many times, but then you now have a Republican president saying, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Yeah, let, let's do this. Okay, cool with me. Yeah, and now it's like turns into the, cyn- the cynical game is revealed. Like, no, how dare you? This is our issue. Absolutely. Like, and how dare you appeal to black Americans? This is our issue. Absolutely. And it's like, wait, are you going for actually getting people in franchise, like in franchise, getting people rights, getting people accepted in the community and the society, or are you just trying to divide again those encouraging well, signs of polarization? And this is where it's now turning into a demonization, right? I mean, they're literally demonizing anybody who kind of veers off that path right. uh, and, and throws them into, <laughs> my, my raging liberal friends call it the far right. I've never heard them just say the right. It's always the far right. And it's kind of like, oh, you're the far right. It's like they're, they're like they're demonizing anybody who strays off that that right. path as as being alt right. I think is what they say to me. I don't know. Alt-right. Yeah, alt right. <laughs> and, and then you go, then you go and look it up, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute here. You know what? Well, they want to lump you in with people that I do find abhorrent. Like, uh, I mentioned the collective pride thing. I'm not proud to be white. Like, I'm not self-loathing either, but it's just like, yeah. if somebody ever appeals to me, you know, we're both white. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like where, where are you going with this, whitey? Yeah, What's up, cracker? Yeah, How you fuck? doing? Like, give me, me a too. break. It's, uh, <laughs> it just it gets weird, man. Um, and I wish, I, I really am kind of a brutal individualist. Like, I can see... <laughs> I can see people's, like, differences, obviously. And, and again, I, I, I'm one of those types that most people, the technical term is homophily. That birds of a feather flock together, essentially. They, people like people like who they're like. Yeah. Um, but I, it, well, I'm heterophily. <laughs> I do like talking to people that are different to me. I, I really, I've always have. I like hearing different sides and going, how can we synthesize sure, this and yeah. actually come to some understanding and agreement? And uh, I've learned that's not exactly a common trait. No. And I'm not tooting my own horn. It's just a fact. And uh, I, I'm always baffled by the fights that go on. And I'm not just... I can We can pick on the left all day. I see it on the right, too. It, it's... Oh, absolutely. Baffling the sort of tribalism you get uh, so often. And, you know, I'm just thinking of this. I don't know if it's already been written, but you know how people that are dead, you get, like, they're written out of the conversation? This guy, Prince Rogers Nelson. <laughs> I'll say straight up, he had all he has all sorts of songs. He has their stories from like his bandmates, Wendy and Lisa. He was not cool with being gay. Yet <laughs> look at him. Take a, take a look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm just waiting for the big think pieces and, like, look at what this guy actually believes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here, we're going to hit this break. We're talking to Frisco Riverstone. Thank you for coming here, uh, Mr. Riverstone, and coming out yes. tonight as a conservative. My pleasure. Woo! How we doing, Mr. Spotlight? Good, man. <laughs> you, Good. Know what, you know what? You know what? You're a little touchy-feely, too. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. Joey Clark. Oh, wow. 
Welcome back, folks. Listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We have Seth Spotlow in the studio. How you doing? Good, man. I'm, I'm admiring this picture of you. Picture of me? Oh, oh, little tiny picture of you right there. Oh, with the pouty face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a, that's a classic thumbnail when oh, I was yeah. clean shaven and had short hair with the, the like, the, <laughs> like you know, something about Mary kind of flip up in the front. Oh. Yeah. I got to see this. <laughs> uh, it's on the screen over here. I could, I'll pull it up. And we have Frisco Riverstone. Yes. Mr. Riverstone. The, is this going Frisco well? Riverstone. Yeah. You think this is going well? I think so, yeah. You told me you were a little nervous before you came on there. Well, you know, I, I was I was coming to the radio, uh, to the Joey Clark radio show to come out. So, I mean, that's a little nerve-wracking. Right. Uh, but now that I've come out as a conservative, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's refreshing. Yeah, you got to come back sometime. We've been, I mean, focusing on the, the topic at hand of coming out sure, as a conservative. Sure. But, uh, yeah, you're going to hang. So, yeah, you're welcome anytime, especially yeah. when we're doing these ridiculous Friday shows with Seth and you got to meet Southern Wood. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Clay is, is nuts. And also, Eddie Bader's usually here on yeah. oh, I listen. Fridays. I listen. In fact, uh, I feel like I've already talked to you guys because I, <laughs> I listen and then respond in the call. Yeah, that's cool. But, uh, <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And speaking of Eddie Bader, he three two two zero six six two. Yes, he helps bring this show um, to the audience, to the masses. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group, top-notch real estate agent, changed his own life by investing in real estate and learning how to manage properties. But then he became a real estate agent. Went to the Bogue. Goodson School of Real Estate became an agent, and things are going great for Eddie Bader. I mean, he is living life large, mostly because he takes the time to think of others. What are their needs? What are they looking for? Whether buying a home, selling home, whether a first-time home buyer, they don't know the process at all. He can help walk you through the steps. And he really showed me, because I need to stop renting, like, Joey, just get your credit in order. It's not bad. It's just non-existent. Get your credit in order. I'm risk averse. I just I don't I don't like you clarification know. there. Yeah, uh, but he has opened my eyes to the options out there to buy here in the River Region. No, that's interesting. You said that. At what age did you really kind of figure out that renting was is kind of crazy? Um, like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you when you're in high school, and, what's and wrong with it? Even <laughs> <laughs> you don't really figure that out. I feel like right. like mid twenties, you're kind of like, oh wait, what am I doing? Wait, this this money I'll never see again. Right, <laughs> right. So if you are figuring that out just now, or you've been around the block a few times and you just need help with the process, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is your guy. You need a real estate agent? Think Eddie Bader and think three two two zero six six two. Seth, give me that number and that porn voice. Three two two zero six six two. Why is a porn voice always deep? Who wants? Like hey, why? Three two two depends zero on the, depends six on the six porn, six Joey. Why? Hey everybody, remember me? Hey guys, what's going on? I think this is an incredibly sexy <laughs> voice right here. My name's Cespano. <laughs> <laughs> that was me when I, when I was below like sixteen. Yeah, this is totally me. You had a lisp? Yep. Terrible. You had a speech impediment? Yep. Yeah, okay. How'd you how'd you get rid of it? Uh, le- cl- speech class. I thought uh, they were going to say porn. Sally sold seashells. <laughs> I was going to say cigarettes, right? <laughs> no. It really dropped that voice. No. Hey, man, that was 13, 14. It went from this today. How you uh, doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that we're having this conversation on the eve of the 4th of July. Because a big point I've, I've heard from you uh, tonight, and, and you strike me, you have conservative positions, you support the president, I assume, from what you've said. Uh, right. Like, you'd vote for him or something like that. It doesn't have to be that explicit, but it's more, I'm hearing more of the libertarian side yes. of you. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, to me, the right is aligned along the basic concept of liberty, right? And I think I mentioned that before. We, yeah. we assume um, liberty rather than request it from our government um, or our leaders. And so I think that, you know, it, and it goes back to, to the Constitution. You know, it's designed to outline what the federal government cannot do, you know. Well, uh, and the Bill of Rights in particular is, is that document meant to protect us from that Constitution. Like, there are a lot of people saying, we don't want this new Constitution unless there's a Bill of Rights that guarantees our liberty. Yeah. And I think... but. I think the you know the majority of the left, and I'm just saying this, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't know if they necessarily understand all of that, you know. And when you when you actually break it down for them, I've found, uh, you know, most of the time uh, the left uh, has an idea of what I might think or, or kind of what I assume on you know being the right. Mm-hmm. But when I break something like that down and actually explain to them about liberty, and uh, then they. <laughs> They they open up a little bit maybe, um, they, well, they, and I'm, I'm interested in this sense. I, we covered a story; it was a, a study done where people who actually follow the news more intently 
and read a lot, care about politics and their political identity and, and what they stand for, their political values, are usually unable to say what the other side believes. And they assume it's more extreme. Absolutely. And the folks who are fairly apolitical just live in their life when they're asked, you know, what are your beliefs? Oh, they're, I'm conservative. What, are the, what is the left belief? They're actually pretty good at saying what Democrats believe it, without caricaturing them. And it goes both ways. It's, yeah. it's bad. So I'm wondering, is it uh, people that you've met in the gay community who aren't really political, have you had those same issues with them? It's just, or they're just folks. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, there there are a lot of people in the LGBT community um, that are just kind of, you know, moderate, middle yeah. down the road. Um, I think that when I'm out in public, uh, and maybe at like a, a gay setting, um, then a lot of them are afraid to even even... You know, remotely look like because because you know, like you mentioned earlier, even if you're slightly moderate, you know, a lot of the left just throws you way over to the right, and so you know you don't have those conversations. And and I was talking to a friend of mine in Auburn who has kind of the same libertarian mindset as I do, and he's in a college town, and he said, uh, you know, he's actually surprised that there are a lot more uh, LGBT people that are that are kind of on that, that libertarian spectrum than, than you see or hear about or that you'll see, you know, running right. around town. Um, you just got to kind of find them and, and then you talk to them and then you realize, oh, hey, okay, cool. <laughs> we can have a conversation and you're not going right. to demonize me, you know. And, and well, it's amazing. I mean, you saying that you, you're coming out tonight as a conservative, in a way, it's, it's a little over the top. But, Sh- sure, but it's, to, but to it's also, the- but there really is a point you're making that people are closeted of their politics based on their sexual identity. Absolutely. It's to make, and it's to make that point. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Unreal. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It, it really is nuts. Now, I, I mentioned to you, and this is why I love the Bill of Rights. I wish the gay marriage decision by the Supreme Court wasn't based on the 14th Amendment. I wish it was based on the 9th Amendment. Because what the 9th Amendment says, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, is that eh, all those liberties we listed that pre-exist any government being instituted, the governments are supposed to secure, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of association, to petition the government, freedom of religion, I mean, a speedy jury trial, you know, right to bear arms, all these sort of things. Yeah, we listed all those things, but we're just saying here in the Ninth Amendment, that's not an exhaustive list. That's not all the liberties you have. We didn't even get close to that. The liberties you have that pre-exist any government are more numerous than the stars because there's all sorts of different ways to live and to pursue your happiness. And I wish they had found in the Ninth Amendment that, okay, there's a right to gay marriage or just any type of marriage because your liberties are more profound than what we've listed and adjudicated over all the years. That's a solid point, yeah. Found that in the Ninth Amendment as opposed to... The 14th, which is equal protection. and Yeah, and well, and I think that, you know, those that, that... that did that um, are all for government protection and in mm. structure and government telling you how to live your life, and I think that that's probably why they went with that route because yeah. you, you can't tell me these guys aren't brilliant and know that there is the Ninth Amendment as well. They they, they strategically oh, chose well, how to go about. It's this. one of the least adjudicated amendments though, because it is a scary place for the people actually running the government to go. It's sure. like we don't want to open this Pandora's box of liberty. I mean, yeah. my God, what yeah. will people do with it? Yeah. yeah. What will they do? Here, somebody keeps calling. Let's see who this is. News Talk, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Duke. How are y'all? Doing very well, Duke. How Duke. are you? Uh, should I? Uh, you're, you're still taking calls? Yeah, absolutely. You're talking to me, Joey, and Seth Butler, and know. Frisco Riverstone. Yeah. I know. I, I was going to tell you, I, when I saw that guy getting his uh, butt beat in Seattle, mm-hmm. yep. and I didn't oh. know he was gay. Yep. And then about three days later, I found out he was gay, and uh, it, 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 I, you know, he he was just he didn't wasn't taking up for himself, and I can understand why. Well, you know, there's like fifteen numbered, yeah, yeah, but still, and I've already talked to Dan about it, but you know, why didn't the uh, if that had happened in any other state, hmm. would the would the gay? I mean, oh. it just it's crazy. He should not have had his ass beat and throw a rock in his head. Where are these people? Why aren't these people brought to justice? Well, the, the wild thing that I've seen is the Huffington Post actually responded to it by saying, look what the far right 
made the Antifa do to this journalist. Yeah, I saw and, that. And, and, and it was, and I was, I was reading, I didn't actually, couldn't even finish reading the Huffington Post, but I just said, wow, what a spin. How do, how do you even... Well, and, and Quillette is the, the publication this guy's an editor of, and Quillette's a pretty thoughtful, intellectual, center-right is how I would describe it. It's not by any means like alt-right or Breitbart or anything yeah. like that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know he was gay. And, and then three days later, I found which it didn't matter to me whether it was, but he was just getting his ass beat, and and nobody was helping him. I mean, it was just I was just it so, blew me away because I don't know. Well, the LGBT it's, it's media uh, is not going to comment on that, and I, I haven't That's really amazing. seen any comment. I've been looking. I tell you what, man, it's it's a uh, it's sad to see somebody get beat down like that, it and is. there's no justice. You know, I don't right. know, man. Well, it's, it is scary. Luckily, it's not here in, in Alabama. Duke, I appreciate the call, man. Um, yeah, it is. He, him bringing out that point, I didn't even thought about it from that angle. Is that because you're the wrong you know, shade of political ideology, we're not going to stick up for you, even though we claim we're the champions of this particular identity you happen to have. It's, it's literally that bad. It's unreal. <laughs> it's nuts, And it's man. the truth, though. I mean, it is, yeah. it is that bad because you are not aligned in that box like we talked about. Um, then... then you kicked off to the side. Yeah, and I can I can somewhat relate in this sense that being a, a pretty hardcore libertarian, I never felt like I've had a political home. I've, I've more as things have moved forward felt like okay, I have a home here on the right. Though I mean, I'll still argue with conservatives still blue in the face, but it's it's still like oh. Who's going to stand up for me? So I think that just sort of shoved me into this, my own box. Like, you know, essentially shoved me into my own box. (laughs) (laughs) Phrasing, Joey. Phrasing. Hey, wow. uh, Okay, um, what time is it? I think we got about two minutes uh, left. No, no, I'm just saying. For no, that, oh, shove okay. you in your own box. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. No, but it kind of just put me on a path of like, yeah, I'm used to being kind of my own sure. in a way. And I've met other libertarians. The internet has definitely helped in sure. that regard. Um, but I, and I've, I've learned also to get along with others a bit more. I, I think one step that could help people on the right and certainly people on the left is stop trying to make everything a freaking argument that you have to win. One of my one of my biggest things with uh, it actually came from a, a, a small book about how to win an argument with a liberal. But yeah. it was it was it was to it was to uh, take something that they're saying and agree with it and then make them, you know, prove the point though like make them show the facts yeah. because then they get you know they'll get flustered or whatever but you know it, you're not you're not attacking you're not fighting what you're doing is you're going okay well i okay well i, I understand yeah. that yeah. Where, where do you where, what what is that based on because i'd love to know you know and, and approach it kind of like that but you know in this world on the right and left it's a you know well, and I've I, this is a big change for me personally. Where and I'll still get into arguments if people want to have an argument, but it's I really did shift online in person from I'm going to win to no, I'm going to understand this person. Sure. Yeah, and where I can talk to anybody. Like when I'm, I hit it off with this guy who's uh, my brother's one of my brother's groomsmen, good friend of my brother's in college. He's a Bernie supporter. We had like a two-hour conversation about politics and history and all this stuff. Never got heated. It was very intelligent, I think, if, on both our parts. And you it probably was a good time. and you probably learned a lot, you know. Yeah, and he probably learned a lot, and it may have diffused, you know, some of this. this and there's a lot of agreement. Yeah. There's a reason populism is on the rise. People aren't necessarily content. There is a feeling of unease. The system sure. is not exactly stable. And are we exactly getting a fair shake? Something that's a little overstated, in my opinion. But there is a lot of agreement when you really look under the hood. Absolutely. Well, uh, Frisco, Mr. Riverstone, I appreciate you being on the program. This Joey, week. guys, thanks for having me. It's a quick hour. That was, man. That went by yeah, fast. It was good. Yeah, call me the one-hour man. Oh, <laughs> shove, your, shove yourself in your own in box. In your own box. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. But, uh, folks, I'll be back Monday. Long four-day weekend. I like that. Celebrate the 4th of July. Blow some stuff up. Eat some good food. Yeah. Actually, read the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Is that coming out tomorrow? Hmm? coming out tomorrow? Probably not. (laughs) You know me. I'll be too busy in my own box. (laughs) Joey Clark.